so we want to make this an intimate setting today. Uh, we're going to be sharing with you a little bit about vision and God's vision for um, the church, the local church. Now, you've got some notes. Hopefully, that'll help you uh, to follow along. There's some notes in there for you. Um, and you'll find these notes in particular uh, very helpful because this will give you the vision not only of, think of this church, but of many churches or local churches if they're just trying to be a biblical church. And so what Dustin and I wanted to do was just make this very conversational. And you want a bigger table, is that what you said? No, we're good. We're good. You need to talk to the campus pastor <laughs> who uh, orders all this good stuff, right? And uh, so we're going to help you follow along. We're going to banter a little bit, which I know makes Dustin uncomfortable. Yay. <laughs> so he's a planner, and I'm an in-the-moment guy. And so, but we're also want to entertain questions as we go. This, this should be very casual, the way we're going to do this. Oh, we're this. doing that now? You, you've you've already changed whole, up the plans on me already. <laughs> yeah, the whole service. So, so we planned this the other day. It's like, yeah, we'll do questions at the end. And now we're doing questions whenever, apparently. Yeah. So, well, all right. okay. We did, we did say that. So we, write it down. So if you have a question, write it down, and then we'll hit it at the end. That way it doesn't surprise you too bad. Will that mess with you too much? That's fine. Okay, good. That was, that was not the reason that we planned. Well, anyway, this, so let, this, this is out of my comfort zone, if you can't tell. Uh, but I trust Larry and I trust God to, to, do, uh, to work through us today. Uh, that's all I need. Hopefully you trust God more. Okay. <laughs> I so, do. So I let, do. Me, let me give you something that's been a pet peeve of mine in the church before I give you the fill-in. Here's a pet peeve. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the church over the last probably 10 to 20 years, uh, you'll find that churches have what are called a purpose statement, and you have churches that have a mission statement, if you encountered this. And if you don't know where this comes from, if you came from a business background, which I did, I came from an engineering business background, every business has a mission statement, and they have a purpose statement. And one day we'll figure out how to unlock that door without having to keep it open the whole time. That, that's a different problem. But you've got it. You're the man. Okay. So our deacons are figuring it out already. I love it. So now why is this a pet peeve? Well, I think it's important in the mission, right? If you're in a school or you're in a business, you want to know what's the mission? What's the purpose? That's very important. In the church, I hope you uh, have, have been exposed to this. Jesus himself, hello, come on in. Jesus defines the purpose and Jesus defines the mission. So don't you think it's kind of odd that then leaders in the church would say, here's the mission and here's the purpose when it's already defined in scripture. So instead of giving you those two things, one of the things we decided about the vision of our church and the churches that we would be partnering with is we think there's other things you really want to hear, and it's not mission or purpose. What you really want to hear is, what do you believe? That's important for a church in a spiritual community to know. What do you actually believe? So here's what we believe. We believe that Christ-like humility, when applied to the great commandment and the great commission, forms a great church. Now, I'm going to break those down for you, and then that's where Dustin will jump in every once in a while when he feels led, right? When you feel led. Yes. So, so let me give you the first piece. Humility. If you've never memorized Philippians 2, 1 through 6, this is one of the coolest passages in all the New Testament. This passage talks about the very nature of Jesus, and it coins it within his humble nature. So Paul essentially says, I'm going to paraphrase for you. Are you going to read it? I got most of it memorized, but you can, you can check me. I mean, I, I figured we could just read it from the Bible. All right, go ahead, read it. Paraphrasing. Okay. Go ahead. So, and we also have to remember where, where Paul is, too. Like, he, he is in the middle of something uh, that should be super stressful and, and 
just a struggle for him. But he's writing this book to the church in Philippi, and it, it's such a positive attitude that he has, which is amazing. Uh, and he can only have that attitude because of his, his belief and his relationship with Jesus. Uh, so here in uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 6, raise what you at? Yep. It says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of, of equality with God as something to cling to. I'm just going to finish this. Yeah. Um, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, why this is such a foundational verse for the church and for this church particularly is humble nature described here is that literally that Jesus emptied himself. He emptied himself of all the things that were owed to him. So in other words, he emptied himself of the right of divinity is what it says. So Jesus is God. He's God in the flesh. And yet he should be worshiped. He should be adored. He should command all things. He's the king. And he says, I set all of that aside for the sake of others. Now, if the church who bears Jesus's name, okay, Christ, okay, Christian, we're like Jesus. This is what Paul's saying. Make my joy complete by having the same mind. Have this mind of Jesus. If you have this mind, you will empty yourself of all the things you think are owed to you. And when you have this, you have a healthy church. When you don't, you will have an unhealthy church. People will come and they like, I'll give you some things I've heard that, you know, they'll say, well, I don't like that kind of music. Well, then you've made church then about what you like. Well, I don't like that style of teaching or preaching. Okay. Well, I'm looking for certain programs and things at a church. And what we've done is we've made church into a shopping event instead of a place where we come to share our life with other people because of our love for Jesus. Now that looks very different and it's extremely personal for every person in this room. Does that make sense? So that's why humility, and then when you have this, you don't get in arguments about what color the carpet is. You don't get in worship arguments about style of music. You don't get in these silly arguments about the church because you have this humble nature, right? And then when this humble nature then starts to take root, then you say, well, there's two things that Jesus was about. This thing called the great commandment, the great commission. I'm going to paraphrase these again for the sake of time, because I want to get to some of the meat of this. The great commandment is simply this. You've probably heard it. Love, love. You see how that's connected to the humility? Yeah, love God, love people. That's the idea of this commandment. And the great commission, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me now. Therefore, go. And he says, go and make disciples. 
And what he means by that is you, not the preachers, this is what's crazy about the way the church is supposed to be, you are the one that is supposed to go. And you make disciples as the Lord leads you to build relationships with your neighbors and your friends and your community and your coworkers and the people that you work with. And when this happens, it's a church that's on fire. And it starts with a few. Does this make sense? Yeah, uh, one thing that I was thinking of uh, when I was kind of preparing for this, because I didn't know what, to, what Larry was going to do, because ah. nobody ever does. Um, and, and I got to this point here, and for one, like, yeah, we need to humble ourselves for other people, but also when we come to church, we humble ourselves to God, too, um, because we come here to, to worship him. Like, and that's, that's where our minds get messed up is when we come and we don't like the music, we don't like the preaching, it's because we're self-focused and we're not focused on God. Like, we're, we're going to church and we as as Americans, we only if you look at, at the church how it started, it wasn't just on Sundays, like it it was an all the time thing, and and we come one day a week for an hour a week, and even for that hour we make it about us. We don't make it about God. We don't make it about other people because we like certain things. So so that right there, humbling ourselves is is a great first step, and in order to do that. You love others, and you love God. I got that backwards, but anyway. It's okay. And, and, they work that way. And not to, not to pick on people, but Larry and I, we bring up our former church uh, from time to time, and, and it's, not, it's not to pick on them. It's just we have these revelations of how things are done, and they used to have their, their statement was, love God, love people. And it, it shows you the mindset of, yes, that's, we should all love God, and we should all love people. And then it's changed. And if, and if you look at their statement now, it's we exist to dot, dot, dot. So as, as a church as a whole, their mindset has changed from loving God and loving people to no. Now, the first, the first word is we. Like we exist. We're more important than loving God and loving people. It doesn't matter what it says after that. It shows you the mindset. And that's what we do as individuals is we exist to do something instead of we love God and we love people. That should be first and foremost, and that leads to the gospel. That yeah. leads to sharing the gospel and making disciples. I could pick so. best on me because I'm, I'm really good at picking on me, and I can tell you that I get this wrong all the time in lots of different ways. It's, it's not just a church thing. Let me tell you how important it is. It's a life thing. So let me give you an example. So if I say, um, man, if I'm going to love my wife the way I should love my wife, I think I'll start with me. How well is that going to go, wives? Going to go really well? And I, I might even start, hey, I'll start with we. Is that going to go well? Because I may be assuming things about we that you don't assume about we. <laughs> that might be from me. Does that make sense? But what if I start with God first, your point, and I say, God, what do you want me to do to love my wife the way you love your church? Very different. And that takes humility because then it's, I probably have something to learn. I probably have something I have to submit. You see the difference? So then let me tell you who we are. Who we are, well, again, I'm not going to do the whole passage for you. Dustin will probably do that later because he's awesome that way. But um, Acts 2, I'm going to paraphrase this passage for you. It's an amazing passage. It is this idea of how the first church got together. And what you're going to see are these things that happen in the church. We pull out of there that grace is a gathering of families. Welcome, your family, okay? Who are growing to be like Jesus giving our lives away 
by going into the world to share his love. That's who we are. This is what we do. So it's a gathering of families. That's what the church is, is a family. And you gather together to glorify God, but also to love one another and to love the community. So look at this. You'll, you'll, not, you'll never have to memorize this. It'll never be on a pop quiz at the church, okay? It's not a part of the membership process, okay? Here's what I want you to know. We gather, we grow, we give, we go. We gather, we grow, we give, we go. We gather, we grow, we give, we go. And the wheels on the bus go round and round. So what's beautiful about this, if you get a, if you get a hold of this, is the church will never stop gathering. The church will never stop growing. They'll never stop giving of their lives and they'll never stop going to share the gospel. So now how do they do it is what's so important. Somebody get, have to get in again. Get the buzzer. All right, cool. So it's cool. It's like, that's like so embarrassing. Never show up late, right? Grace Mardella. Sorry. Because they're, they're all going to watch you the whole way in. You're like, wait a minute. Okay. It's okay. Show up early and get coffee and one day donuts, right? Okay. So, so what I love about this though, are these values. And I see churches and organizations say we have values and values are good. You should have values, right? But how do you achieve the values is far more important than having the values. So how do you gather? And when you gather, what does a gathering look like? So we do two things that are primary to our gathering. And they're very simple. And they're all through the habits so that you can't miss it. That way you can remember it. It's an acrostic. What are, what's the first one? Those of you that are coming from Grace Seaford, what's the first H? Put you on the spot. You're awesome. It's a hang time. So, so why is the hang time important? When you gather, you're hanging out with God. That's the primary thing. So whether you're hanging out here or you're hanging out in your personal quiet time, this is one of the things that makes you a part of an integral part of a church and gathering. Hang time, you've probably heard called a quiet time. So when you have a quiet time, what's that look like? What's your quiet time look like? Put you on the spot. What's my quiet time look like? Yeah. Uh, it looks like uh, me with the Bible. Okay. By myself. Okay. Trying to anyway. We have dogs and we have kids. Um, and distractions. And distractions. Okay. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's just me and, and reading the word and, and praying to God. And uh, a lot of times, one of the things I take advantage of is I'm driving a lot. Uh, so a lot of times when I'm driving, I, I use that time to, to pray. And it usually takes the whole time. So. And do you hear from God? Yeah. How do you hear from God? Uh, through people, okay. through his word. Through impressions? Yeah. Yeah. And that happens during your hang time. It, it happens during hang time. It happens during word. It happens during hang time with people here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the, well, one of the loudest times I heard from God, it wasn't even, it wasn't somebody talking to me. It wasn't, so, it wasn't something I read. It was a feeling inside. And that was because, it was because I was devoted to him. And that was, that was back at our, our former church and Kelly and I were sitting in the service and uh, they, they wanted volunteers which looking, look, never mind. I'm not going to get into it. But anyway, so we're reading this list of like where they wanted people to volunteer. And if you knew me before, like I had no desire to hang out with teenagers or really anybody. But uh, <laughs> so, so I'm reading this list and like halfway down this list, it says student ministry men or something like that. Uh, and as soon as I read it, like I felt something inside me like God wants me to check this box. And I thought to myself, because we all do this, it's like, that's not right. Like that, that, that's, that just doesn't make any sense. So I skipped it and I kept reading the list. I was like, something else is going to pop out on this list. Cause there's like 10 different things on there. And, um, 
I get to the end, and I turn to Kelly. I'm like, I feel like God wants me to check this box for student ministry. And she just gave me this look, like, this is the craziest thing you've ever said, which it probably was. But I, I did it. I checked it, and, and through that, you know, we built some relationships. And, and, and through that, eventually, you know, I got here and in the ministry and, and doing what God has called me to do. Uh, and it started with this, like, burden inside of me that I didn't understand but I did understand it because I was spending time with God. That's the key. So I want you to hear that so clear. If all you ever do is show up in church once a week, and the only message you ever hear from God is the preacher, who's tainted, by the way. I'm going to tell you right now, the message I'm giving you is going to get tainted in some way by my personality, by my struggles, by the human being that I am. Hopefully you hear the purity of God coming through that, and you're able to filter that. But when you go directly to God's source... You get the purity of God's word in a daily way. Now you're being nourished every day in who God is, who God's char- his character is, and what he wants to do in your life. So that when you hear his voice, you'll go, oh, that's his voice. How do I know that's his voice? Well, I've been spending time with his voice every day. And because I spend time with his voice every day, I now hear his voice. And I know how to respond to his voice, whether that's in the worship music or that's in the way that you interact with people, how you run your business, how you hang out at work. Like everything will change, not based on going to church, but by being in the Word every day. So that's why we said this is primary to us as a church. We want every single attender to have a daily quiet time with Jesus. Mine looks so different. I get up in the morning because my wife sleeps later than I do. And if I move, she's got that mom brain. Anybody still got that? You got it? Okay. So if I move, she's up. So I don't move. So I get up and I'm like, oh crap, I got to sit very still. So I reach over and get the phone. And then after I get the phone, I pull up my U version of the Bible app. And then I pull up my reading plan for the day. And then I read that while I'm sitting there. And then I pray until she gets up. And I start praying for our neighbors, praying for our people, praying for some of you, remember. And, and that's my prayer time. And then in the car, I do the same thing. My quiet time probably looks different than your quiet time. Looks different than your quiet time. But everybody should have a hang time with God. If you don't have it, you're missing a foundational piece of what it means to be part of the church. And then what happens is you start talking about your quiet time, don't you, with other people. And that builds accountability. That's the second one. Accountable relationships. If all you ever do is come to church, again, this is what we do in America. We come to church, we hang out, we're like, hey, good to see you, man. Oh, it's good. Oh, fist bump. That's it. That's your relationship, right? And then you never go any deeper. Will you grow? You won't grow. Where you really grow is when I look at this guy group and I go, hey, let me tell you a struggle I'm praying through. Let me tell you something cool that God did in my life. Let me tell you something cool I read that maybe I don't even fully understand yet. I'm kind of chewing on. And then you start talking together. Now you start building accountable relationships. Accountable relationships are scary though. Because then I'm giving this guy permission to go, maybe you didn't hear from God. Are you sure that's not in your head? Or is that from God? Let's look at his word. Let's pray about it. Let's talk about it, right? I don't know if you've ever had that. But that happens to me all the time. My wife's the greatest one does it. She'll tell me and clarify so many times when we've heard from God. I told you that story, how we got here. It was because of both of us hearing in a miraculous way that God said, put a church in Mardella. And so that happens through accountable relationships. You got anything on accountable? I mean, I, I have some experiences with that. I don't, I don't know if it adds to what you're saying, but okay. I, I think it's, it's super important to have accountable relationships. Um, just looking back at, at my journey, if it wasn't for probably two people, like I wouldn't be here today because they loved me enough to like say, step into my life and, and help me out. 
And without those people, like, who knows where I would be today? And yeah. and and it's crazy because like one of them has been a friend for a very long time, and the other one uh, didn't really have a reason to do it, but he loved me like Jesus did, so he did. And it's it's amazing that when you have those relationships, how it can completely change your life. Yeah. And so when you move from those accountable relationships, they will naturally, if you're at a healthy church, move you into a group. And that's what we have for Bible study. So most of us have heard of Bible study. We may have participated in a Bible study, but we don't know how to study the Bible. Let me, let me ask you a really interesting question. Of the churches that you've been a part of, of the spiritual gatherings you've been a part of, the places that you've been and gone, have you ever been to a church where they taught you how to read the Bible? Oh, you have? Okay, have I got one? Any more? You have. That's awesome. Do you see how few people have actually gotten to go to a church where they teach you how to read the Bible? It's shameful that we say, study the Bible, study the Bible. How many times have you heard, study the Bible from church? All of us, right? You go to a church anytime you're, you need to study the Bible, but then no one ever teaches you how to study the Bible. So one of the things you have to learn how to do is actually do Bible study. That's why we do it. It's our second class. We teach people how to study the Bible because then when you get in accountable groups and you have spiritual conversations, you know how to read his word and you'll learn some really unique things. Like you'll learn something that is so profound when you're sitting in a Bible study and you're hanging out with friends and you're building relationships and then you'll always have someone go, well, you know what I think this means to me? You ever heard that? And really the reality is, is you shouldn't care what it means to them. You should care what God meant to say to the original people he wrote that text to. And I do care how it applies to your life and applies to my life, but we've never been taught the proper way to study the Bible and read it. So then we get all messed up. This is how churches get really messed up with their theology and the way they operate and the way they deal with people. Yes? So that's why we want you to know how to study the Bible. And that's what growth is. When you know how to study the Bible, you will know how to grow. Probably my favorite class to teach. Yeah. I haven't taken it yet, but yeah. I you haven't taken help. that one? No. Okay. You haven't invited me to it. Um, it's coming up. <laughs> well, no, the, 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 coming those up. classes are my favorite to take where you're really digging into the Bible and mm-hmm. just learning more about it. Um, I think that's one thing that a lot of churches miss. I mean, I remember growing up, going to church, and I had no idea how to read the Bible. I didn't really know what it was about because what a lot of churches do is they'll take this scripture here and that one there, and it fits that point and that fits that point but you don't really get the whole context of it. No. And it, it really wasn't until, you know, I started reading it for myself that you start to understand the Bible. Yeah. So. And you realize there's and, an author. And you can't do that. It's hard to do it on your own. Like the fact that, that grace like has a class that actually teaches you how to do it is, is amazing. And that there's a commitment to that because it's just like, it's like somebody telling you to, you know, go do something that you've never done before and expect you to do it every single day. It just doesn't make any sense. On that, your own. Yeah. And then we wonder why people get confused about the Bible. Yeah. It happens all the time. It, far, bar none, it's my favorite class. The first class we do is called Gather with Grace. We'll do that when we get launched here in January. We'll have one. But the Growing with Grace, when we have that class, you're going to love that. That's where you learn how to read the Bible and study the Bible. And it's for every person. Like there's no one that can't do this. It's, it's, I love that part. So the other thing about studying the Bible that people don't realize is it's not hard. You just need to learn the discipline of it. And that's why these habits help so much. And then when you get in group, you can agree on what the scriptures mean because you've learned how to read and study scripture together. Does that make sense? 
Okay, y'all are saying yes. I want you to glaze over on me. And then uh, giving, what we look about when we say giving, this is value, we look at two things. We look at what we call integral service and treasuring the kingdom. These are the two things that connect with this value of giving, integral service and treasuring the kingdom. Now, let me break those down for you. Service is integral. Integral means it's important, it's necessary. So for people, they need to understand that Jesus is the one who made service integral. You get that, right? He said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that means if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we have to find a place of service. There's got to be a place for you. And there's a place for everybody. We've got a lady um, in Seaford. She was really confused about this because she's blind. And she's like, where am I going to serve? How can God use me? And I'm like, just because you don't have sight does not mean you cannot serve God. So right now we're working with her to actually help her connect to our guest services ministry because she's always smiling. And I know that she loves to hand out bulletins and I know she can. And so we're going to figure out a way to make that work for her. But she has a place of service. Every single person can have a place of service. And in a church plant like this, <laughs> kind of happens anyway, doesn't it team? You kind of do it all. There's lots of places to serve. There is no shortage, is there? So that's what I know about integral service. And I know that you get closest to Jesus when you serve out a relationship with Jesus. You got something for that? I nope. Agree. I agree. Okay, uh, so move on. He's like, let me talk about treasuring the kingdom. So um, I was just talking to a guy um, who's in Salisbury Church. He's um, working through an issue. Um, he's been a deacon of that church for like 20 years. And he's looking for a new church. I said, what's going on? How can I help you? How can I love you and serve this guy? I met him actually at a wedding. And um, he was saying, all of a sudden, um, he he's, doesn't know when it happened, but everything turned into it was all about the money. When we talk about treasuring the kingdom, we're not talking about money. We're talking about the commodity of people. And people give of their whole life to treasure the kingdom. So it's your time. It's your talent and gifting, and it's your treasure. And when you give that, you give it in such a way that you want to see Jesus' kingdom advanced. Did you know that Jesus talks twice as much about the kingdom in the New Testament than he does about the church? Think about that. Twice as much about the kingdom as he does the church. And what he's saying to his church is you're the vehicle by which to expand the kingdom. And you do that when you treasure the kingdom. How do you treasure the kingdom? It starts first with what you said, worship, loving God with your very being. When, when God has radically changed your life, you can't help but engage with other people of sharing with your time, your talent, and your treasure. You invest it because the kingdom is worth investing in because it changes the lives of people, your neighbors, your friends, your family, the people dearest to you. Their lives have to be changed by the power of what's known as the, the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is. And that's how the kingdom advances. And that's why we treasure the kingdom. That's what it really means to give of your life. You got anything for that one? He's like, no, you said it all. I stole you, it you, all, didn't you I? Did, you did say a lot. I think one of the cool... <laughs> you said a lot. One of the cool... You, yeah, never mind. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. You, you do say a lot. Uh, one of the coolest things that I've experienced in, in, in treasuring the kingdom is like, God gives back to you more than you can give. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm just, I'm thinking in terms of, I know you said it's not about money, but that's, that's part of it. It's easiest um, to illustrate that way sometimes. But I remember like time and time again where like I'd, I'd give either extra or, or more than I thought I could. And then God gives it back to me like almost immediately it's yeah. in some cases. Like uh, I remember one year, I don't know, anybody ever listened to K-Love? 
Anybody ever listen to Caleb when they're doing their pledge drive? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, well, <laughs> you well, say you turn it off then? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Well, don't, well, don't bring me under conviction, Dad, well, on it. One, one, year, one year I was a sucker, <laughs> and uh, I was listening to it, and I'm like, man, I listen to this all the time. Like, I should give. Because they tell you that. Like, well, if you listen, you should give. Um, and I, I hate how they, like, talk. So that's why she quit listening. I, yeah. well, <laughs> you cut them all. How they like talk in the middle of the song. I'm like, I would give you money if you just stopped talking when the song starts. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, like I end up giving, you know, more than I thought I could to them. And then it was like the next day or the next week, I end up getting a raise at, at work where I was working at the time. And I'm just like, it's crazy. It's crazy how God works. That like you give to His kingdom and He gives back to you. And, and it might not be financially. Maybe it'll be relationally or emotionally like he he, i remember it's funny you say that most of the times i remember seeing a direct response to god has been in in financial areas but it's been in other areas when i serve in a way we had a recent widow at our church and she um, was going through some really difficult situations and um um, as you become a part of grace and you get more integrated into grace mordella one thing you'll learn is we have two funds we have a fund set aside that's called the deacon's fund and our deacons manage that for anybody that's part of the body that's part of our church if they have a need we meet that need and then we have something called a benevolence fund a benevolence is a fancy word that just says oh they're not part of our church yet they're in the community but they still have a legitimate need so we just have two different funds for that and so um, but they have rules around it because they only have so much to give right you will bankrupt it if you just give all the time. You have to have rules around it. And so this one lady, couldn't, we couldn't give her enough. We knew we could not meet the need, but it was a legitimate need. So I just went to the deacons. There's my, my, one of my deacons over there. And I said, hey, man, um, here, I just feel led to do this. Um, I'm going to give this much of my own money, which is actually matching what the deacons can give. I've talked to my wife. She says we should do this. She said we should do it. We should do it. And I'm going to believe that there's enough people to fund the entire issue that she has at the church. So I'm just believing that. And before the end of Sunday, it was fully funded. And so that, again, that's a financial situation, but we, we gave as we felt led, and it was to treasure the kingdom because we were seeing the kingdom at work in her life. Um, another way we'll see this, I'll give you one in service. So there's, um, and this is another one we've gotten a lot from people, and it t- connects to integral service and treasuring the kingdom. Um, 70 houses were flooded in the Blackwater Refuge. Did y'all know that? Last year, 70 houses during the king tide got flooded during a major storm that came up the bay. Didn't make the news. 70 people, though, got flooded out of their homes. And so we found a guy over there whose wife had died two years ago. He had just gotten through cancer. He had no hope. His life was a wreck. He had no money, and he didn't have insurance because he dropped his insurance when his wife was going through cancer treatments. So no hope. And we said, there is an opportunity to treasure the kingdom by giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure to impact this guy's life. So we just started with 13 churches participating together. That's the kingdom. Going all the way out to Blackwater Refuge, an hour drive, because it like takes forever to snake through that place to get to where this guy was. And now we're seeing the guy's life being turned around. His house is being restored. He's about to move back in. He's gone through a recovery program. He's no longer reliant <laughs> upon certain substances to go through life. And it's a radical change, but it's because people got together and they gave of their time, their talent, their treasure, and it was integral to who they are. Does this make sense that way? That's what the church is supposed to be doing. You were there. You were the one that told me to get electrocuted. A few times. Yeah, I got electrocuted because you told me to check that line. I don't think I was there for that. Okay. That wasn't you? That was definitely Danny. Danny. (laughs) That's a a Danny move. Throw him under the bus, yeah. Yeah, the line was hot and there was no switch for it. Oh yeah, 110 tickles a little. At least it wasn't 220. So, 
Yeah, mom, mom didn't want it. My, my heart didn't stop, so we're good. And then going is you share the gospel. That's the last one of the habits. So, the, so you got this gather, grow, give, go. You've got these habits that are connected to each of the values. And the habit for the person who's going is they share the gospel. And what I mean by that is when Jesus said to go into all the world and he gave the Great Commission, and he said to share the gospel, here's what we've done to that. We say, I'll invite somebody to church. Now that's good because they'll probably hear the gospel while they're here. That's good. But if you read the New Testament and we were to read Acts 2, 42 through 47, one of my favorite parts of it is where it says, the Lord added daily to their number those being saved. For the Lord to add to this number daily people being saved means you're the one sharing the good news. That Christ has so changed your life that you want to share that with everybody. And they're actually coming to know Jesus because of your story with Jesus as you share the gospel of the good news. And, and what we do with that is we teach you how to share the gospel. So wherever you're going, you're sharing the good news. Lunchtime. <laughs> Y'all get used to that and say, now it's time for you to quit preaching. Okay. <laughs> They might install that in Seaford. Yeah. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Um, let, me, let me give you some examples of this. I was on my way into Seaford, and I stopped by Rite Aid because I wanted, sorry, Gwyneth, Dr. Pepper. Um, she's our dietitian. So, and you know what's funny is you're actually, you're so nice to me about it. Like, you're kind and benevolent. and Yeah, but you judge him, though, on the inside. No, she doesn't. <laughs> she's actually really good about this. Like, if you want a really kind person to do your diet plan, it's her. Okay? But my secretary is mean. Okay? Ruth will tell you. And she gangs up on me every time I get a diet Dr. Pepper. You realize that's poison you're ingesting here. But anyway, I stopped by Rite Aid to get a diet Dr. Pepper. And I'm there, and I run into a lady who said, and I say, how you doing? She goes, you probably don't really want to hear. And I'm like, actually, I do. Um, I said, now, now, you can't be long-winded. I got 10 minutes, but share, share what's going on. And she's like, okay. And she unloads on me. And she unloads, um, I just moved down here a little while ago. My family's originally from here. My boyfriend was shot and murdered in New York City. And I moved down here with his, our daughter. And we're just trying to rebuild our lives. And I'm like, holy cow. Maybe I got more than 10 minutes. Okay. I, I thought that didn't say it. Um, and I, we, just, we prayed together and I shared the gospel with her. And I found out um, she knew the gospel. She knew that Jesus had died for her sins. She knew that she was a sinner and that the world was full of sin. She knew that Christ had paid for that sin and she was committed to live for him. And she had actually already a home church, but she's still going through the trauma of that. And I said, Hey, um, um, I got a book for you. That's about how to grieve, how to walk through the deep, hard, difficult nature of grieving. And so I said, just stop by the church. You get off at three, which that sounded weird because she's much younger than me to say, when do you get off? I'm like, I'm, I'm not hitting on you. I'm, no. So, so just drive by the church. I've got a book for you. And then of course, this is how the Holy Spirit works. I get back to the church office. We get it wrong. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying, why'd you make her come here? Take the book back. I'm like, okay, Lord. So I go back in and then Bonnie chews me about, about die, Dr. Pepper. And I get the book and I go back down to the right aid. And I'm like here. And I give her a card. And I said, if there's a way we can pray for you, don't ever hesitate to pop by. Let us know how we can pray for you. The gospel is not only people first coming to know Jesus. It's the good news of who Jesus is and how he's at work in our lives all the time. And you have to be ready to share that wherever you are. Because that's how people get saved daily and get added to the numbers. Does this make sense? 
And that's why the gospel, but what we've made, what we've made the gospel into is a transactional process where you just invite them here and as the paid professional, I'll win them to Jesus for you. And, and I'll definitely share the good news every time, and, and Dust will share the good news every time that you come to this gathering. But it's so much better when you share the good news with your friends, neighbors, and family. So that's why we believe that going is you share the good news. You got anything on that? You were looking something up. You want me to talk longer so you got time to figure it out? No, no. Okay. You're, you're good. An old preacher, the older you get, the more you do this. So God help me when I'm 60. Um, I, heard, I heard an old preacher it's say. soon. I know. They say, what do, you, what do you do when you lose your place? And this old preacher said, I just keep talking until I figure out where I was. And, um, whoo. You're good at that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, interrupt you. Do you have something for sharing the gospel? Uh, no, not for that. You're okay. Going. Keep going. So, I just, the gospel, the other thing I want you to know about the gospel is that I think it's central to your life if you're a believer. It's central. The good news of how Jesus has changed you is what you want to share with other people. And that's why God wants to put a gospel preaching church in this community. I'm going to say something I don't mean as mean, I just mean it as real. Okay? This is real. One of the things I love to do when I enter a community, because this is my community, if y'all haven't figured it out, Sharptown's close enough, this is home for me. So I know this place pretty well, just like you know it pretty well. And so when I go and went into Seaford, I didn't know Seaford as well. I had to travel around to figure out what churches were doing. When I walked in this community, I kind of knew what they were doing, but I actually gave them a chance and, and walked around and checked it out. And what I learned was I couldn't find one true gospel preaching church. Now I'm praying that that changes because I want more than one church to be partnering together for the advancement of the good news for this whole community and the communities around it. But why are we going? We're going here because the gospel has to be shared. Does that make sense? I know that resonates with your heart because that's one of the reasons why we connected with Dustin. He's like, I want the gospel to be shared in Mardella and the whole region around it. So makes sense. So here's my last thought for you if you don't have anything on that. And then I want to open up the questions. Definitely give you guys a chance to ask questions. Is um, God has called you to receive the gospel first. And then expand his kingdom first in you and then to others. You, you cannot share what you don't have. What you don't own. So God wants you to own the gospel. The good news of what Jesus has done for you. So that then you can expand the kingdom by sharing it to other people. So one of the things that um, is the only strategy of this church is prayer and you. And what do I mean by that? How is a visitor going to arrive at this church? After you share the gospel with them. Unless they drink Diet Dr. Pepper. Yes, then you're going <laughs> to ridicule them. Do you? It is, other than Diet Mountain Dew, it is the best diet soda. Um, Agreed? No? What's the best diet soda? None of them. Yeah, see, none. You yeah. and Bonnie. Just drink, <laughs> drink the real thing. So, so um, I want to I give you a chance to a ask any question about the message today. And then uh, one of the things we want to do, we've been trying to do since we began our gathering, is we're going to share the Lord's table together as well. Um, but any questions about anything you heard today? Oh, but I'm going oh. to give you a few more minutes to think of questions. Uh, okay. I just want to say one thing. Um, Back when Kelly and I, I guess a couple of years ago, we were kind of church shopping. Uh, <laughs> we, we tried a couple, and um, then we came, came to Grace. And the very first Sunday, it was just a feeling about it that it was a genuine place. Um, I remember we left there that Sunday, and just like, 
this this feels real. And it's because they did the things that we talked about today, or Larry talked about today. Um, they, <laughs> they, <laughs> we talked about they, it. Uh, they they actually did that. Like, they stuck to it. I mean, Larry's been there for eight years now. And, and they're actually doing what they say, which is, is amazing. Um, and that's what we want to bring here to Mardella is, is a genuineness uh, of, of love for the community, love for people. And by doing it this way, uh, the cool thing about this service and this church is we can do it in different ways to reach this community. Like, we're not set on doing the same thing every Sunday um, like like we're doing today like this isn't something you'd usually do at at a normal church service but we can we can do it because we're we're doing it because of this yeah we're doing it to reach the community to 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 let the community know why we're here um and it's it's cool that we have that opportunity to kind of be fluid in in what we're doing as long as we stick to this um so i just wanted to say that you know experiencing that in seaford and being able to bring it here in mardella is a super exciting opportunity i'm i'm glad to be part of it and i'm glad that you know we have a great team and we talked about it this morning uh, how how important it is um for us to to love one another and and be there for one another and that's what i that's what i was looking at here um and john thirteen thirty five, uh, it says your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples so if other people come to church or they see us out in the in the world and our love doesn't stand out past other people. Like, if they don't recognize that something about our love for each other is different, then we need to turn back here and, and figure out what we're doing wrong because something in here isn't lining up. Um, but I think right now we're, we're on the same page, and I'm excited to be yeah. part of it. It's fun talking to Dustin because we'll, um, they'll say, like, well, how should our gathering look? And I'm like, well, it's up to your team. They're like, well, and I've had people criticize this. They'll say, well, it's a multi-site right now, right? I'm like, yeah, it's sort of. So we don't care what word we use. We just want people to be reached with the good news. And they're like, well, that means you have to do it the exact same way, right? No. Uh, do you play the same songs? No. Um, uh, what's the feel? We don't know. Um, can we use acoustic drums? Yeah. I mean, so uh, you are a part at the ground of something that you're going to create, which is so cool and so fun. Even Gwyneth looked at me one day. She's like, you love that, don't you? I'm like, yeah, I love creating something new. But it's even more fun to watch you all create something that I don't have to worry about. Like, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Questions? It's your one chance. You can ask afterward, too. But never ask afterward, no. Never ask a question because it's on the recording and you're liable. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Greg, stop the recording. <laughs> <laughs> now, any questions? <laughs> now, any questions? 